Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Um, Luke 23, 33 through 43. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he is really God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us also while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Enoch. Hi, my name is Becky Patton, and I'm a member here at Genesis. And I am, it is my delight to get to open up and explore the scriptures with you today. Um, let's start with, um, how many of you were here last week? Okay, so last week, what I'm, part of where I'm picking up is where we're picking up in the story is recognizing and remembering that we're telling a bigger story. Oh, bless her heart. Um, she just hit her head. So part of where we were last week and what Steve was opening up and helping us see is that Jesus had come in and disrupted the religious systems. And basically what he was disrupting is the way in which the religious systems were using and mar- the marginalized widows and those who were, didn't have as much and were taking advantage of them and creating a system that served them and didn't actually see the people. And Jesus came in and disrupted that. Well, this week, just a week later in the lectionary, um, that disruptor is now hanging on a cross. And so I'm curious from the lectionary, from what we read, I'm curious, what do you notice about the criminals? And this is an all play. Here at Genesis, we like to hear the voice of the chorus versus just the voice of one. So my question is, what do you notice about the two criminals?
they knew they were guilty. Mm -hmm. What else? They had different attitudes. How do they display those attitudes? How do we know they had different attitudes? Kristen, you're smiling. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. So how they spoke to Jesus and what they were actually. So what did, um, but what did all three of them have in common? Thank you. Yes, they're dying on a cross. What are they all experiencing? Pain. They're all experiencing pain, right? And you have three different responses to that pain. Yet they were all experiencing it. Now, um, one of the approaches is, is get me out of this. Get me out of this. Now, my question is, which one of the criminals do you think held the best response? Oh, come on. Let's be honest. What? The second one, right? Because what did he do with his response? He, he defended Jesus. He noticed his own pain. He turned to Jesus. Yeah, so we see him as kind of like that's the response. But I want you to remember that when Jesus was in the garden, what did Jesus pray? Get me out of this. I don't want this to the point that literally he sweat drops of blood. So part of this is I want to say that I think we are all both of those. We, both have, we all have all, both of those responses. We both do. And if, lest I judge one, I have to be recognized and be present to which response do I have right now. So I am kind of a science geek. I like science. I like studying the brain. Um, and one of the things is the brain, we all a lot of times think that the brain is the thing that t teaches us about pain, but it's actually the body that teaches the brain about pain. So like if I put my hand near a, a burner, it's not my brain telling me to move that hand away. It's my hand experiencing the pain that causes and wires my brain to be able to respond in that way. So what we have is our brain is made up of patterns. So one of the things that science tells us um, is that the only way we're going to change our response to pain is if we actually use mindfulness practices. Now, I like just saying this name. Haruki Marakami says, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Now, my, another favorite quote of mine is Viktor Frankl, and he writes, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Now, Viktor Frankl, why is this important that this guy said this and who the heck is he? He was in a concentration camp. And what he knew, the one thing the Nazis couldn't take from him was the power of his choice. And so he began to, re he began to practice that space between the stimulus of the pain he was experiencing and his response to that pain. Now, in this scene on the cross, we also, I want us to remember, before we get that, when, as children, what do children do when they're hurt? They cry. What else do they do? 
they throw whatever toys in their hand. Yeah, somebody else, what, what else? They look at their parents. And science shows us that children will return to the place they have experienced empathy. Which, I'm nothing against you guys here, please hear me. But um, the reality is in most studies, children return to their mother. And the mother scoops them up. And like in our household, when one of our girls got hurt, they would come running to me because I'd scoop it up. And what I would say is, oh, honey, I know that hurts, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Let me kiss that. Or dad would say, you want a Band-Aid? Now, dad meant well. Dad was trying to fix it right away. But the reality was, is what they've, in pain, what we want first is that empathetic place, someone to hold us. So... What if this scene on the cross is showing us a part of how God is gathering us to God's mother's heart? I mean, when I look at the cross, you guys, when I look at the cross, honestly, what I see is strength. I, see, I, can't, I can't imagine being in that kind of pain and choosing to be there. I can't. But what if there's also tenderness there? What if there's nurturing heart of the mother heart of God? actually saying, you know what, I see your pain to that criminal as he says that. Because when Jesus says, I, today you will be with me in paradise, that word today in, in Greek actually means now. Now you are with me in paradise. But he didn't take him off the cross. He didn't take his pain away. But what if he was gathering him to himself? so that he could actually and would experience the pain with him. So my question is, anybody here experiencing pain? Maybe in relationship, marriage, singleness, maybe in physical pain? If there's any kids, a bully on the playground maybe, or some teacher expecting way too much of you at a, in a test. What do you do with that pain? What do we do with that pain? And when was the last time we actually stopped to name it as pain? Because here's the thing that we do is we want to avoid, push, push away, a run from pain because our brain is literally wired to help us avoid pain. And yet, we know pain shapes something in us. So what if together we made space for pain right now in church? Man, not one smile is looking at me right now. Come to church. Let's feel our pain. But you guys, I'm going to actually invite you to notice what pain you're carrying right now. Maybe it has to do with you feel judged. Maybe it has to do with the struggle of uh, not being heard. Maybe it has to do with the loss of a loved one that you treasure. You know, I read a statistic this week that 
88% of Americans find the holidays stressful and uncomfortable. 88%, according to the New York Times. That was 2018's poll. They're going to do another one this year. And my question is, what if there's a different response to pain? That's just noticing. So I'm going to ask our friend Sarah to come, and she's going to sing over us. And we're going to take three minutes. Three minutes. I'm going to ask if you'll hold your pain. Now, I want you to think about what, what it is you're holding in your hands. And I mean this. Find what it is. Then I'm going to, you have an option. You don't have to. You can stay right where you're at sitting. But sometimes we need to change our position in order to listen in a different way. And if you do, you're welcome to stand and hold your pain. I'm going to stand and hold my pain. And my invitation to you is it's not about standing or not standing. Please don't hear that. Because I don't want anyone to feel alone. So Sarah's going to play for us. And then I'm going to come back and finish the sermon. In Psalms 46.10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. And that verse there, the be still, it's not solid still. It means cease striving and sink in this moment. And what I wonder, you guys, what if Jesus on the cross, Jesus didn't, didn't take away the pain of the guy who asked him in that moment. But what if in being with him, that man's pain shifted? It shifted how he held that pain because that pain was no longer just his. There was someone with him. When we first started Genesis there was a woman who I got first started getting to know, and she shared her pain with me. And her pain was that she couldn't get pregnant. And she asked me to hold it with her, and I, every Sunday, would hold it with her. And then one Sunday, she comes to me, and she says, I can't pregnant. What she didn't know is the day before, I'd found out my daughter was pregnant. My daughter lived thousands of miles away in another country, and I wasn't going to get to see her go through her pregnancy. And every Sunday, she would come, and she would take my hand, and she'd place it on her belly. And my pain became shared with another human being. And suddenly, I felt like I could carry it in a different way. Nine months later, after I get back from the birth of my daughter, my first grandson asked me about him, and I will tell you multitudes, I love him. And the reality is, is I, when I had to leave, 
another country and fly back to the United States. My body literally ached. I hurt so bad. And I was crying out to God, and I was asking God, take this pain away. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And Sunday morning when I came in, she brought her baby and laid her in my arms. And I got ready to worship. And I heard in my spirit, are you going to look at this pain? Will you let me hold it with you? I don't know what we sang that day. I don't know what Steve preached on. I'm sure it was magnificent. But what I do know is the God that we serve came to me in the form of a little girl that all through worship slept in my arms. And then when she woke up, she looked at me, and my face is bathed in tears, and she just smiled. I don't know how this works other than the fact that that little girl expanded my heart to be able to hold my pain in a different way. You guys, no one is without pain. We all have it in different ways. And what if instead of pushing it away and stuffing it down, we pause to notice it, we name it, and we get to choose turning to a Savior that wants to literally hold our pain with us. Two weeks ago, I was walking in the woods with a friend, and um, at one point, I came present to some of my pain in a way that um, I hadn't in a really long time. And my friend paused and looked at me, and she just did this. And I melted into her arms, and she held me as I wept, and I cried, and I named my pain. And ultimately, we walked on, but I knew I wasn't alone. Genesis, I think part of why we wrestle with our pain is we don't know how to share it with one another. But I think, I really believe that as we share our pain, we expand in how we hold pain with others. And I wonder if that's what this passage is showing us, is an opportunity for a way to see God as a God is one, as God of one who will be with us in pain versus one who just eradicates pain. And after our 60 seconds of silence, we're going to go to the communion table. And I just feel like I want to read one more quote. Henry Nouwen. The cup of sorrow, inconceivable inconceivable as it seems, is also the cup of joy. Only when we discover this in our own life can we consider drinking it, for then we will share it with others.
this cup, this table, is for all of us. It is for our pain, but make no mistake, it is for our joy. And that's why we do it with someone serving you, with someone speaking words to you, because we are in this literally. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.